Okay, what's going on? What's happening? We are here at the legendary Sagebrush Apartment Complex in South Austin, Texas. I'm here with Brandon Lejean, and we are we're starting a podcast today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is the first episode we've ever done. Um, as some of you know, I tried to record a podcast many, many years ago, and it was a fucking disaster. Uh, basically, I was doing a solo podcast during the pandemic, and that went pretty well. I was having a good time screaming to myself, but could only keep that up at like a once a month clip. I don't know. Talking to yourself is a lot of work. It's uh, I, I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm the other night, and um, how am I doing on the mic? Am I in the right zone? Yeah, you're great, dude. You sound fantastic. Good. You look fantastic. Thank you, dude. You look pretty good, too. Thanks, man. I'm not wearing any pants. But... Your legs look pretty good in those white shorts. But, um, bro, I saw this thing. like I was watching Curb the other night, and uh, they said, Larry doesn't live in Los Angeles. Larry lives in his own head. And I've never identified with something more in my entire life. I'm like, dude, I, I'm just every day I run around basically talking to myself. I live alone and I talk to myself for the entire day. So like moving to a solo podcast was like relatively easy. But when it actually came to like, all right, I got to do this every week. I felt like a legitimate crazy person doing it all the time. So yeah. hence, I hired the great Brandon Lejean. Hello, hello, hello. Great Austin comic, good friend of mine. And we're going to fucking bang this thing out together. So, I don't know, the the one goal of this podcast, the one thing that I, like, don't want to become, and the one thing that I realize I hate doing is I, I hate hearing about other people's uh, lives in stand-up. Yeah. I started interviewing my friends, and some of them are still, like, our very best friends in comedy. Totally. And hearing one of your buddies discuss his writing pod process for 45 minutes makes you want to blow your fucking brains out. No one gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck. No. The one time it was fun was, like, when you could get, like, Nat Rogashevsky talking about how he was doing heroin. Dude, why can't you have just one drink with us? And I'm like, because that sounds boring. <laughs> I got into this podcast, and I'm like, dude, I hate talking to my fucking friends about their processes. <laughs> And I don't interrupt my friends, you know, like yeah. some of these podcasts you'll do, you'll like be talking to people and you'll go, okay, like what's going on with you. And then you start telling a story. They jump in every podcast I fucking do. is just the let's interrupt Joe for an hour and a half podcast. Yeah. And when I would do mine, I would like try to let other people talk and I see why people would interrupt. <laughs> Cause you like, you try to talk to your friends and they're just like, I'm going to tell you a half hour story about yeah. the lucky duck open mic. And you're like, you know what, dude, I'm fucking good. So yeah. And then someone in like California is listening and they're like, what's lucky duck. <laughs> what I don't give a fuck duck? about an open mic, you know? Yeah. No one cares. No one cares at all. Yeah. Um, the one other glowing spot was, uh, having the great Maddie Stew as the producer. I think 50% of the population should be forced to stay awake at night. He's gotten so funny too. Oh, he's so funny. Year and a half. Yeah. And I produce his podcast captain's dog. So he's a great podcaster grown, but he definitely has like the technological savviness of like a 65 year old man. <laughs> I said I sent I him an email and he was like I was like make it a hyperlink and he was like what's a hyperlink what's a you got to say link Brandon you yeah you're right simple you're <laughs> put hyper in there he starts getting confused <laughs> but no dude we were doing that out of my like guest bedroom in my old apartment and like the venting didn't work very well in there and yeah. like the the AC would just be too loud because it's 105 degrees outside so we would have to shut the AC off while we would do the podcast Oof. and it would be like 80 degrees in this room. It was too small. We're all right next to each other, all up in each other's shit. Yeah. It was a disaster. I hated hearing about everyone's thoughts and feelings. So I'm <laughs> like, you know what? Let's just be psychos. Let's do a solo podcast and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Like, 
there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot going on in Texas. There's a lot going on in the world. I'm sure you guys want to hear my thoughts about Israel and Palestine. <laughs> <laughs> it's behind the Patreon, baby. Yeah, <laughs> we, should do, we should do a Patreon and just have it just be racist, homophobic. <laughs> you want to hear us be pieces of shit? Give us $5 a month. $5. But, I'm thinking 10 dude. I'm thinking 10 right yeah. off the bat. Five for each of us. Five five, yeah, that us. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we got to fucking get the page cranking, <laughs> get some money coming in. But, uh, Dude, yeah, this is this is what we're gonna do. So um, let's get right into it. I had a fucking week. Um, this was a a very strange week for me. I went into it kind of not expecting much, but then I found out that on Saturday I was gonna be auditioning for Netflix, which was fucking exciting. Yeah, congrats. Thank you, bro. Well, there's nothing to really congratulate me about because let's just say this: I think the next half hour you see from me will be on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I bombed the fuck out of that hour or I bombed the fuck out of that five minutes. And, um, yeah, it just like pretty quickly went from being like one of the greatest days of my entire life to just dog shit. Um, I was auditioning on a Saturday. And so like leading up to it that whole week, I'm not drinking. I'm trying to get in the zone. We're going to the gym. We're hitting the sauna. Yeah. No booze, dude. Just trying to keep the old noggin clean, make sure everything's good. We get to Saturday morning and I've got this buddy, um, Pepe, who we'll have to have on the podcast at some point. By the way, we are doing guests. We're, okay. We're going to do guests. Yeah. But no comics, basically. That's fair. Keep normal yeah. people for no, like normal people to listen to. It makes sense. A hundred percent. And some of these guys, like I, I showed you a few videos of this one dude, like Eric Monday, who's like basically a, a guy that I knew growing up that ended up becoming a paid mercenary. I'm like, hey, my man, story's closed, but we need to talk. And he's like, huh? You know, like that. He's like on his phone, literally like this. I'm like, hang your phone up. He's like, I'm not hanging shit in mid sentence. I'm like, <coughs> you like that? Like, took the phone. He had those snap phones. I just snapped it through him and showed like this. I'm like, check this out. Bam! We're gonna get people like that on. We're gonna get guys that are in regenerative agriculture farming. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Just no comics for now. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe we'll make a couple of exceptions. We'll get the boys in here. But basically. Saturday, I wake up. My buddy is doing this thing where he is running the largest regenerative agriculture farm in Texas. So basically what this means is they're not using any pesticides and they're planting a thousand trees in a day. I get out there. I'm with a bunch of my friends, sunshine, and we're a bunch of city boys running around <laughs> planting trees. We're having a fucking blast. Yeah, it's the best um, grin and ear to ear from like 10 to three end of the day. I meet this girl gorgeous i'm like all right i get her number i'm so pumped up i'm driving back i'm like dude i just like hung out with my friends planted trees for the whole day i got a spot tonight and then i'm auditioning for netflix tonight this is the greatest this is the greatest day ever so i'm setup. so fucking pumped like everything i want is coming true and at the same time i'm like all right i like my life's good everything's great and then it just fucking went off the rails in the span of like an hour, dude. <laughs> I go to do the seven o'clock spot. I show up at um at Black Rabbit Comedy Club. I get there, walk in, and a friend of ours is like, "Hey, I got to talk to you about something. It's something like kind of uncomfortable." And I'm yeah. like, "All right, go for it." We start talking, and he goes, "I think you and me are doing like the same bit right now." And we start talking, and I'm like. I realized that I'd started writing about getting fired mm -hmm. and the bit has been going, it's been crushing. It's been like my new number one thing. And I'm planning yeah. on closing on it on this like Netflix audition. Yeah. And we start talking and I realized that there was this point where I wrote this line about like, 
you know, getting fired in a one bedroom apartment. And I realized that like subconsciously I straight up just stole this from yeah. a friend of mine. Like my yeah. friend was doing the bit. We did a show together. I heard him say it offhand. It got locked in the back of my brain vault. Yeah. And this happens all the time. Like shit. You just, I bit one of my friend's jokes. And it's not on purpose. It just is like you said, you're around it. You hear it enough and you and can't remember whose bit it is. And then you just start to think like, is it, is it my bit? Or, yeah. Or exactly. Or in yeah. my case, you're like enough that you're like, <laughs> okay, this is my joke. I wrote this joke. Yeah. I'm a genius. I'm like, but sometimes you'll be writing something down and you'll be like, dude, I, I feel like I heard this somewhere. I can't remember if I heard this somewhere. Maybe this is a friend of mine's bit. Maybe it's not. But dude, if I like leaned into that feeling every time and like just went, you know what? It's someone else's. I'm not writing it down. Yeah. I feel like I wouldn't have half my material. Exactly. So sometimes you just got to go for it. But basically, long story short, I wrote this joke down and I'm convinced it's mine. And I start going through the notes and my friend brings it up and I go, dude, I stole. And I, the second he brought it up, I go, I stole that word uh, for word from you. Yeah. I go, I didn't mean to. And he's like, no, I totally, it wasn't like a fight. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an argument. And then I sort of explained to him what's going on. I'm like, dude, I'm auditioning for Netflix in like two hours. And he goes, no, do the bit, do the bit. You have to take the bit and do it tonight in your audition. I need you to do it. But he goes for this show, I'm going to close on that joke. So just please don't do it. And yeah. Like, yeah. Deal. But dude, it fucking sent me. I, it, it spiraled the fuck out of me. Yeah. So I go up there, I do like the whole fight story bit. I get off, it goes pretty well. And while I'm standing there, it's like eight o'clock. We've been there for an hour. My other buddy shows up. He's like, yo, good to see you. We're here for the show. And I'm like, the show's at seven. And he literally pulls up his phone. He goes, dude, you messaged me and or said it was at eight o'clock. So <laughs> him and his girlfriend bought tickets. They show up an hour and a half late for the show. Fuck. Miss my spot. I'm like so apologetic. I feel so bad about it. And now like I'm trying to be like, hey, these are not the this is not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world at all. You're no one's mad at you for stealing the bit. Um, I also forgot to mention I could not find parking. I had to park a mile away from the venue and then run there. Yeah, you just got to march down to Black Rabbit. Dude, I'm, I'm frazzled. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally running to the spot. I'm late. I realized some of my shit is stolen. I sent my friend to the wrong thing. I'm like, this is a disaster. But I'm like, dude, just, you know what? Just chill. Just chill. It's going to be fine. I go up to Cap City, and I just fucking got on stage. And you know there's some nights where, like, I said we weren't going to talk about writing processes yeah, yeah, yeah. and comedy for the <laughs> yeah. whole thing. But you know how like some nights you get on stage and you're like, you are just trying to be present and trying to be in the moment and trying to like have fun. And you just feel like you're reading off a fucking teleprompter in the back of your head. Yeah, you just have like you, you don't have your gusto, your swagger, like you're not in the right state of mind. I've been there. It's like yeah. sports. Like sports players have off nights. Comedians have off nights. It's hard to be on every night. Yeah, you can't be on every night. And sometimes you can't sync it up where you're like, you want to be on on the Netflix mm -hmm. night. Dude, I fucking got up there and it was like I was reading off the teleprompter. I'm like, and not only that, I'm like reading the wrong words off the fucking teleprompter, <laughs> dude. I'm fucking things up. I'm just off. And then at the end, I'm like, you know what? We'll keep it safe. I've done the speaking Chinese bit. 300 times at this point we'll close on that it's just a succinct i fucked that up yeah so i leave and i'm like dude i'm a moron i go to the bar i sit down I sit down with this other comic we have a beer and we're sitting there we're talking we're having a pretty good time he goes dude come to the so for those of you that don't know it's like a 
an Austin comic speakeasy yeah. um, where you may or may not be able to drink after hours. I go there. These guys are playing dice. I play dice. I sit down, and within like 10 minutes of me playing dice, I lose $250. Oh. And I'm fucking unemployed right now. I had a, a year ago me losing 250 bucks. It's like, whatever, we'll mm-hmm. get through it. But, dude, I just I lose money gambling. And I drive home. I wake up the next day. And you know, like some days – you wake up and you think about what you did the next day, the night before. I woke up the next day and I literally screamed into my fucking pillow. Oh. I was just like, God damn it, you fucking idiot. But, dude, I called our boy Spencer Cavins. And when I was, like, recounting the day to him, the day was so dog shit that, like, I actually started laughing, explaining to him what yeah. happened. I'm like, I'm I'm a moron. Like, I... it. At 2 o'clock, I'm like, this is one of the best days of my entire life. And at 2 a.m., I'm like, I am dumb, poor, not going to be on Netflix. And uh, I have cockroaches in my apartment. This is great. Yeah. Well, that's where we're at. That's life right now. But, dude, honestly, all that aside, we try to stay positive. Yeah, yeah, we got it. That's all you could do, you know. You know, I saw you that night. It was yeah. funny. I or the next the next day, yeah. I saw you, and we just kind of happened to like stumble into each other. And you were fucked up. The first thing you said <laughs> when you walked up to me, you go, "Want to do shots?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay." He's going through it, and we started walking over, and you were just like, "I bombed the Netflix audition." We we're going bowling that night, and I was like, "All right, we got to get this boy bowling. Like yeah. he can't." He can't handle what he just went through alone. We gotta, yeah, we gotta get the dude. boys around him, keep them all right. That actually like did did save it. That was the best because yeah. I went into Sunday and I'm just like, you know, because of the Netflix thing, I didn't go out Friday and I didn't go out Thursday and I really didn't. Saturday was just a disaster. So I went into Sunday just going like, bro, we're gonna have a day. Yeah, like, today's gonna be a time. And so when I ran into you, I was already cooking. I may or may not have like done a little something something that I've been growing in a cabinet in my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but dude, I uh, I ran into you and you're like, it's Jordan's birthday, dude. We went out Sunday it was a fucking blast. Yeah, it was a great time. It, it was, was as if Saturday hadn't happened at all. We're all hammered bowling at the Highland Lanes. Yeah, it was a good time. Aside from the dickhead shutting us down early, that was uh I know. Well, also, I kind of felt bad because I was, like, arguing with the guy about getting a refund because I thought we paid for, like, one game of bowling. And all <laughs> my stance was under that, like, hey, we paid for one game and we can't finish it. I didn't realize that we just paid for the hour. Yeah. So I was, be- I was-, I was being the asshole by being like, we want a refund. It's like, wait, well, you've already been here for a while you still have time it's not like you had only one because i was like our friends are in lane 10 they're done they're gonna be done in in five seconds this is stupid and then he was probably just like yeah they're gonna play another game asshole another game but i was too fucked up to understand what he was saying so i just kept arguing with him we were seven different kinds of fucked up that night yeah it was not good no but dude that uh that whole thing was kind of my fault too because we had like nine of us and and originally we were in a lane and then I saw two open and then I asked us to get changed and they were like hell yeah man we got you and one of the lanes was just like broken so yeah <laughs> thought that counts too yeah and then we had that very strange guy that was kind of following us around all night that told what she what did he say to Erica I don't even remember he was just like he was he was being weird he was bowling by himself which is a tough look. Yeah, and I kind of like I was feeling. I'm. I'm. Always, you bought him a beer, dude. You I guys are besties. Him a beer. I was trying to be like positive to this guy. Yeah. And then you know you buy beers for people out in public. You've got like a decent chance that like, hey, this is a good person. You yeah. Know, we're just trying to get this guy's night to rebound. And then, Ed, 
total creeper. Total. It's yeah. if somebody's bowling by themselves, it's either like, oh, this is a sad guy that's a little socially awkward, or like probably registered sex offender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no real in between. <laughs> yeah, dude. If you go on uh, neighborhoodwatch.com, this guy is one of the red dots. So <laughs> that's tough. But enough about us and our lives. Let's get into it. Um, dude, so Vale Resorts. I, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Vale is the owner of, can you look that up real quick and just make sure I'm, I'm not yep. just like saying the wrong thing completely here. Vale Resorts is, is that Epic Pass? Uh, let me, let me look. So, yeah. Right? Cause it says here, I'll check out the Wikipedia. Let's look it up. Yeah. Just yeah. do a Ski resort for, for, um, for Vail. Cool. We're running one Windows and one Mac right now. So the key it's, commands it's really a bases in the base of Vail Pass. Uh, who's the company? Look up Epic. Just look up Epic Vail. Okay. It should come up. It's. I just want to make sure Epic is Vail. Yeah, Vail Epic Vail Pass. Vail Epic Pass. Okay. Okay. All right. So um, for those of you that are sort of like unfamiliar with the ski world, Vail is a publicly traded company. Uh, they are the biggest name in skiing right now, and basically they're going out and just acquiring different mountains and putting them on this pass. And they're building up this like ski empire where it used to be like, okay, Vale is Vale, but then they bought like Keystone and Breck. And over the course of like the last 10 years, their strategy has been basically to go out and acquire as many mountains as humanly possible. So when you buy this Epic Pass, it's actually kind of like a great deal because you can ski on all of these resorts. But effectively what's happened is skiing at these mountains has completely gone off the rails. Like skiing, it, it's definitely always been an upper class sport, but there's sort of like an edge to it in that you're driving to this place. It's you and your boys. You're doing day drinking. You're getting there early. You're getting after it. And it's become this thing where like Epic, you have to pay to park at these mountains, which is never a thing. Yeah. There's a new program where you can literally pay money to have first tracks. And first tracks has always been this sacred thing where it's like whoever gets up earliest, that's the first person on the mountain. Yeah. That's the guy that gets the pow. They're basically turning it into Disneyland. Yeah, so exactly what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. this sounds like the fast pass bullshit it's where you got to pay for it You yeah. can pay to cut the lines. And on top of that, they've got the most expensive like day pass in the United States right now at $275. Jesus, that's one day pass. It's one day. Uh, that's that's bucks. what's crazy is is it, it is actually significantly more than a Disneyland pass. It's crazy, which is wild because I mean you know it's it depends on what you like, but there's technically way more to do at Disneyland than there is at, at the pass. <laughs> at the, you know at this mountain you get I get there's a bunch of different tracks and you're snowboarding, but one day for two seventy five. I mean that's. You're looking at like a $500 weekend if you want to go two days. So that's how they get you, basically. Yeah. Is like the whole season pass is like, uh, look up how much just an epic, full yeah. epic pass is. I'll pull that up right epic now. Epic pass price. Okay, let's see. An epic season pass. We're going on their website right now as it's pulling it up. Unlimited, no restrictions. The ultimate all-season pass. The sales are. It says the yeah, pass is currently just look unavailable. Up how much was it? Yeah, I'll check it out. I think it was like nine hundred dollars. I just want to double check that I got it right before. Seven ninety-five for unlimited access. This is okay, December. So this is the Epic local pass. So yeah, you're right. It's it's two. It's nine ninety-five, so nine twenty-nine if you're pass, not local. 
Okay, seven-day pass, all resorts, 639. So that's how they get you, basically. They go, do you want to ski one day for 275 Or when I did an epic four-day, I think it was like four or 500 bucks. Yeah. What's nuts is the whole goal of the model that they're doing right now is basically just to, like, decrease competition. They're trying to do what Amazon did effectively, which is like, oh, at the beginning, you go, this is an insane deal. Like, all the shit on here is super cheap. Yeah. It shows up in two days. Like, how could I not want to get this? And so everyone right now is either going like, I want to go Epic or I want to go Icon. And then they're basically buying up all the resorts. So that's your only option. Shit. And they're just jacking up the prices and completely fucking you. So this idea that like a season pass is still going to be a grand in a couple of years, it's going to go away. Yeah. So effectively what they're doing is price gouging. So then you go back to the attachment where they sent out this email about their commitment to diversity and inclusion in skiing. Um, and I get it. There's, there's some really good programs um, for people with disabilities, but one of my best friends, uh, you know, he was in a car accident with a drunk driver when he's younger. So he's in a wheelchair and there's all these adaptive skiing programs, but they're not coming through the mountain. These are like sort of independently funded things. These are like, this is it right there. Um, but what's going oh, on cool. is like they're saying, oh, yeah, like we basically want to get more like LGBTQ people of color involved in skiing. We want to make it more diverse. They've got this other thing where they're talking about how hey, we've got like a woman CEO. We've got four out of women running four out of the six mountains like our main places. And it's like, dude, effectively what you're doing is like it's it's it would be as if a place built this like massive apartment complex had no affordable housing and then was like yo we're gonna like build a diversity and inclusion board yeah that is very weird like it's it's just like the classic it's the classic publicly traded company mentality which is like we want to make as much money as possible if you're a publicly traded company you have an obligation to your shareholders to make as much money as you can every year and to make more money every year. Yeah. How do you do that? Like the only way to make more money every year is to raise prices, lower costs, and then expand your customer base. Right? So how are you going to do that? Like raising prices is obvious. You're just going to jack the prices up every year, but like lowering costs, you're making a worse experience for everyone that's coming to the mountain. Yeah. And then like expanding the amount of product that you're selling you can see right now, like at some of these epic resorts in Colorado, on paper, it takes 90 minutes to get to um, some of these resorts, two hours to get to some of these resorts. It takes like five or six hours to get there and back. You move to fucking Denver, you drive to the mountains every Friday night, and it's completely fucked. Yeah. Like, my brother lives there now. He's literally flying to Vermont to just stay there for a month to do his skiing because it's so unattainable to do it. In yeah. Denver. Even I, I grew up in California and even big bear gets like that. If you go on the wrong weekends, trying oh, yeah. to get up to, to bear mountain is just an absolute shit show. Big bear is the one that's like in LA pretty much, right? Yeah. It's, it's uh, in the San Bernardino forest, which is like just mm. outside of LA County. It's, it's like not a bad one. I, I, uh, I've only been snowboarding like five times in my life, and three of them were in Korea. No, so, sh- what were you doing in Korea? Uh, I had like a buddy I grew up with got deported because he's not a citizen, and so he Wait, got what? Yeah, he was. I grew up with like one of my good friends. Shout out Daniel Kim. Uh, tried to join the Mavni program in the army where they let minorities serve, and if you serve, you get your full citizenship. Missed it by one point. Got sent back to South Korea. Wait, what's the point? It's like a like a test. No like shit. he got like a forty nine and needed a fifty. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah, had to leave. And then when you go back to South Korea, if you want your citizenship to stay, you have to serve mandatory South Korean military service. And their military yeah. is not like, as like, hey, you have to have hours off and you have to do this. Like insane military. So we're like, we got to go mm -hmm. visit him before. So we went out to South Korea uh, right after I graduated college and I learned to snowboard at Pyeongchang. They're like Olympic ski resort <laughs> no shit i got destroyed the first day dude so i i actually like went to high school with a bunch of korean kids as well and they're all yeah. kims or parks like yeah 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 yeah. Of them. yeah my other buddy who's korean is is joseph park so daniel kim and joseph park very korean names right yeah, there dude, yeah that's wicked korean yeah but dude these uh yeah it, it's kind of funny because one of my best friends in high school was a kid james park who was probably about 350 pounds and yeah. had to go back and do like mandatory uh <laughs> mandatory service service yeah just had to go be a military guy that just sounds horrible yeah but then if you don't and you like appear because my i have another buddy i have like a lot of korean friends and then he's like uh on a visa here he's like a, he's a permanent visa he's good to stay but now if he goes back to south korea he's like i'll be arrested the second i step foot in because i'm a deserter i never served my military time really yeah Wait, either so where is he now is he's he in brea california as a permanent visa to stay here which is good so he's not going to get deported but like he can't go home he has to denounce his citizenship if he wants to go home like completely from south korea and then he'd Jesus. technically be not a sovereign citizen of any state Whoa. So he like didn't come on the Korea trip because he's like, I will go to jail. <laughs> That's so he just had to insane. stay home. Yeah, it was very weird. Dude, more Kim's, more problems. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude, the um the whole situation with like skiing in America right now is and it's not to be like, dude, you know, we fucking we're not getting what we need out of the mountains, man. But yeah. it's like and I hate to just sound like, you know, a woke college white chick, but it this is just hyper capitalism. This yeah. is what happens when you have like two companies running the whole thing and there's no competition. Everything gets fucked up. And all these like all these companies all do the same shit where they're just like putting in these diversity and inclusion things. And it's like you guys don't actually care about the people that work for you or the people that buy your product. So why the fuck are you putting on this like act? Yeah. Act like this is like the number one thing for you. Like skiing mm -hmm. is it's <laughs> it's if you want to get more black people involved with skiing, fucking buy a local mountain that's near a place where black people live and let people go skiing. Make it affordable. Make too. it affordable. Yeah. It's fucking insane, dude. So I don't know. I think what's going on with the whole thing is just insane. And um, yeah, just wanted to shit on Vail Resorts for a little bit. Also, like if you go up there, Vail Resorts, it's so funny that they're talking about this because if you go to Vail on the main lift, yeah. there's actually a thing where there's a thing called it's a ski valet where the people that ski at this mountain are genuinely too lazy to carry their shit to the oh lift. Oh, my God. So someone will get your boots, will warm them up for your toesy woesies. Are you serious? Yeah, they will put your ski boots on for you, walk your skis to the lift, and then you strap up there before you go on. That's ridiculous. It's fucking insane. That's ridiculous. It's the most like diamond champagne ski resort thing going. Yeah. And um, dude, yeah, they talk about inclusive. You want to get like, it's basically them going, we want a more inclusive ski resort, but only the rich black people. Yeah. It's what they're saying. So you want to get, do you want like a more diverse base or do you just want rich people to be able to go skiing? That's what they're basically turning it into. So that's, that's that, man. Um, okay. Uh, another thing. P 
Pitchfork. Are you familiar with Pitchfork at all? I have no idea what Pitchfork is. All right, so Pitchfork um, is a heavily, heavily influential music website. Uh, It was the sort of OG indie music blog, Mm -hmm. and it was legendary for, like, bringing a lot of indie bands into the fold and making a lot of projects, like, blow up. It got a bunch of people famous. It got a bunch of bands famous, and um, it was run by a bunch of bros basically that loved Radiohead and shit like that (laughs) and over the course of a few years it went from being just like a small project that a bunch of guys were working on it turned from that into being the biggest indie music site on the internet Um, it was insanely influential like if you were an indie artist people would look at your scores on this website if you were on best new music or something and one of the biggest moments in history of the site was them like basically giving my beautiful dark twisted fantasy by Kanye West a 10. That was like signaling of a turning point. Like, Hey, um, fucking rappers are making music that is just as good as Radiohead and all this shit. Yeah. Massively influential. Uh, in 2015, they got acquired by Condé Nast, which is the owner of Vogue. And, Mm. um, it turned from being this like indie music website, basically into becoming a, how do I say this without sounding like a complete asshole? It turned into a women's music blog, effectively. Yeah. yeah. It was talking about, like, a lot of it was circle jerking about how good the latest Beyonce record is. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Beyonce's made some fucking awesome music, but the entire website was like, this is how great Beyonce is. This is how great Taylor Swift is. Um, they were incredibly critical with their reviews. So yeah. at one point, like, the, the band Jet put out a record and it was so bad that the review of it was just a gif of a monkey pissing in its own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave it a 0.3 or something out of 10. Jesus. And so they were like notorious for taking people and like raking them over the coals if they put out dog shit. Yeah. And they just stopped doing that. Like Chance mm. the Rapper put out one of the worst albums of all that time. Al- that album is so bad. Pull it up real quick. You yeah. can see what they wrote about this. Oh, so I can't wait. Yeah. Fork of the Big Day. Okay. So if you had to give that album a... Uh, uh, a score of one to ten. What would you give it? I mean, I think it's like a three. Yeah, I'll give it's it like pretty, a strong zero. It's I, pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Six point nine. So oh, this, okay. That I mean, that's crazy. It's insane. So the old Pitchfork basically would have taken this album and just given it a review of a monkey pissing in its own mouth and just been like, hey, this was like the chosen one. This guy is supposed to be the guy that Kanye West picked to like carry the torch. Yeah, this is supposed to be like the the Chicago rapper now, and he's releasing like literally the worst music that we've ever heard a mainstream rapper. And look, you can see like where the website turned. If you scroll up to the top, it's basically just like a billboard for ads, like all over the side. Ads, yeah. Ads, more ads. And um, yeah, they went from being like this sort of snobby music review website from when they got bought by Condé Nast into like a mainstream, a mainstream site. So I mean, that's crazy. I pulled up Acid Rap. They gave Acid Rap an 8.4. Yes. Big Day is not is a 6.9. There's not... That's a close gap. Yeah. Especially on the scale of 1 through 10, you're saying that, that the Big Day is an above-average album. Like yeah. a 7, I think, is where you start going like, good, 8 is great, 9 exactly. is amazing. That's like how the 1 through 10... So you're saying it's a good album right below a great album, which is just it's objectively insane. wrong. I've never met a soul that's like, I fuck with that album. 
Dude, no you know, one. You know, it was to this day the hardest bomb I've ever. I saw in 2022. I think I probably saw a hundred bands live, <coughs> and by far the worst set was Chance the Rapper at Float Fest. Jeez, really? Me and our boy Dean Allen Sandfield went to Float Fest. Damn, yeah. And we saw Chance just like, dude, seeing this guy that's supposed to be like the chosen one mm-hmm. that is. Probably like ticket wise, getting outsold by Mark Norman, right? Now. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. Like going up and performing for a half empty float fest, and dude, literally one of the songs that he did, you remember the uh, the I'm the one Justin Bieber song? Yes. And he has one verse on that. Yes. He played that song wire to wire, the whole five minutes of it, and then on I'm the one was just like I'm the one, yeah, I'm the one, dude. It was. One of the worst live performances I've ever seen. Yeah. And this dude bombs his tits off for the whole thing. People were literally, like, getting up and leaving. And so this is a guy that's the chosen one. And Pitchfork is like, yeah, he's still done. It's not bad. So this is why it happened. They got bought by a major media corporation, Condé Nast, which is the owner of Vogue and GQ. Yeah. Um, They let this thing ride for eight years. And now it's getting folded into GQ, which is... Sort of a hilarious way to meet your demise, which is like you take this website, which is a bro indie website, mm-hmm. you turn it into a women's music blog, and it fails, and the death of it is it getting folded into a men's <laughs> magazine. But, uh, dude, it it's what happens when corporate anything Sort of on the theme of the last thing, it's what happened when like corporate anything gets involved yeah. in like anything that's supposed to be fucking cool. Yeah. And you're like, all right, well, we're still like a relevant voice. We're still like a relevant music critic. No, you're not. No. You're completely irrelevant. Yeah. Over the course of the last year, they every year they would give something like a high nine, something in the night. They gave no nines over the course of the last year. And they would they would keep it within this range. They were trying to like intentionally be non controversial, yeah, which is exactly where they wanted to live. So, what happened was they get they decide that they're going to get rid of Pitchfork. They're going to fold it into GQ, and the woman who owns Condé Nast laid them all off. And she supposedly, while she did it, she continued to wear sunglasses for the entire <laughs> for the entire pitch. like a villain, like a villain. Yeah, she's like the devil wears Prada chick. Jesus, and lays these bitches off, but. It's hilarious because what it like turned into, if you look at like their their best of the year stuff, they they've lost the pulse. Like it's something that's like no longer relevant. And I've heard a lot of things where it's like Anthony Fantano said that this is like just an example of like hyper capitalism, like run amok. Like basically yeah. you had something that was cool, people see profit in it, someone acquires it as a way to just like use it as a billboard for ads for a couple of years. And he also said that like uh, people who were banning wokeism as or blaming wokeism as like the death of this site are brain dead. I kind of think like two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Like this is an example of like a website that tried to go woke, not offend anyone. And also an example of hyper capitalism. It's two things can be true at the same time. Yeah, totally. It's both of these things happening. And when it's both of those, it's just such an unpleasant read. Like, no one gives a fuck about this website anymore. And the fact that, like, it got acquired and folded into a men's fashion magazine is such a funny demise for these fucks. Yeah. So, over on the next tab, that, like, NPR article is... All right, so this is uh, Ann Powers over here. This is 
this is the new target audience is Ann Power, so we can we can read this together. Last week was a tough one for music nerds. I use the phrase with love and kinship. I am, parentheses, like you are perhaps, the kind of listener who loves music so much that it hurts. And that kind of passion for new and beloved sounds can make those of us like odds or at least amusing to normal people who maybe only listen to their college favorites and only go to one concert a year because it happens to be in a park or the pier. I don't know what that last sentence even was. I don't know what we were getting at there. But I offer this declaration of fellowship because that sometimes petty distinction surfaced in a real way last Wednesday when the editor-director of Media Behemoth, Condé Nast, sat in a conference room wearing sunglasses and told the staff at Pitchfork that the renowned music website would be absorbed Star Trek style into the men's magazine GQ and that most people present would be laid off immediately. Don't you love like when they're... These people are like trying to be funny in their writing, so they're like yeah. they have to sneak in the little Star Trek style. What an outdated reference, too. <laughs> I've like all sci-fi references. Like Star Trek is is way. You should have gone with a Star Wars reference. And I mean, I guess yeah, like you absorbed you. They beam you up. It it's a very weird reference. It, it's uh. Yeah, it's like a weird sect of she's like a nerd, but she's not nerd enough to this get the reference. This is like classic NPR writer. It's like yeah. it's, it's cool to be a nerd right now. But she goes on. Her memo condescendingly thanked Pitchfork's editor-in-chief, editor Pooja Patel, who was let go, leaked online soon after, announcing that this decimation is what Condé Nast thinks is the best pass forward for the brand. Dude, if you pull up Pooja Patel, look up uh, – let's, let's find out together what the editor-in-chief – of pitchfork was like here let's all right slow ass wi-fi shout out my dog right. shit wi-fi shout out spectrum dude shout out spectrum, spectrum forever yeah all right keep on going down a little bit this is what i wanted to see okay so she i first of all condolences on getting laid off but if you if you scroll down a little bit further there's something that i saw where she's literally talking about oh whatever this is we should probably not do this but whatever okay that one right there all right, oh, let's course. let's read that. Pooja Patel wants the chewy bits. I'm a Capricorn, so embracing a bit of toughness to get to the soft center is part of the deal. This is a fucking music website, and we've got people that are talking about how they're a goddamn Capricorn running the website. <laughs> like, no wonder this shit is going off the rails. You think somebody that, like, primary point of identification when you're in an interview and somebody's talking to you, this is an interview for the New York Times, the first thing you bring up is that you're a Capricorn? Like, no fucking wonder this shit's going off the rails. Um, all right, so go back to that NPR thing. If you scroll down at the bottom, it gets it gets pretty funny. Um, oh, my God. Let me get off this fucking... God, you are right. There are so many fucking ads. Yeah, NPR. Also, if you want us to pay for the site, how about you fucking stop hiring dickheads like <laughs> this person? Even before its owner struck a deal with Condé Nast in 2015, though, Pitchfork had become transforming becoming more like a conventional magazine with features and news alongside its reviews. As its authority solidified, mid- and late-period editors like Patel, Mark Richardson, and more dedicated themselves to expanding and diversifying Pitchfork's coverage, reassessing its legacy as an indie kingmaker, parentheses, LOL, sexist, and transforming it into the publication best equipped to cover the vast atomized waterfront of contemporary music. So this is basically what it's saying. Like she's summing this up as if it's a good thing. Like we're moving on from this like Kingmaker era of pitchfork into just like a modern coverage 
of, hey, we're music coverage. This is what we're doing. We're just writing about what's going on in music. This is the reason the site died. Yeah. This is why it died is because you're talking about it like we need to get more diversification in music. If you go on, I just looked up the most streamed artists on Spotify. Four of them out of the top 10 are women. Eight out of 10 are people of color. Yeah. Music is not a place that needs more diversification right now. It's the most diverse space in entertainment. All right. So we're over here acting like it, it makes me want to pull my fucking hair out, dude. But this woman, indie kingmaker, LOL sexist. So that's the old school like pitchfork era of like, hey, we're going to give something. We're going to give an album a 10 and you are in like this is certified gold amongst the music nerds. We're in. We love it to going like, yeah, we're just going to like provide a non-biased, diverse coverage of the music space. Who are you fucking helping? Like who wants to, would you want to read something like, no, no, no. And, um, so another thing that somebody brought up is that like the death of pitchfork is happened because now streaming is providing recommendations to you. Um, which in a sense is true. My, my Spotify algorithm at this point knows me so well that when it used to veer off and do like Spotify radio, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? But now yeah. it's like it knows to put up some absolute motherfucking bangers. Yeah, and I'm still Apple Music, unfortunately. Oh, bro, what are you I know, doing? I know, I know. You're in the 1%, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> the radio on, on there sucks. I haven't heard a new song in months. <laughs> bro, the Spotify algo is tight. Yeah. And um, it's, I think... It actually like the the invention of like Spotify actually could have played into this really well because we're in this new era where like you go on Pitchfork and you find out about like this new band that you've never heard of and you're excited about this record. It's not like there's this huge barrier of entry where you got to remember what they said on Pitchfork.com and then go to a go to an actual music store, try to find one that has the CD, take the CD bring it home. We're not living in that world anymore. No. Now, like we're living in an era where like pitchfork could recommend music. And for a while, this is the way it was like when they were still at their peak, they would recommend albums and I would pour through their albums of the year list. And I'd be on Spotify just like chugging music. Yeah. Like just consuming music and able to just like listen to all of their recommendations without spending a dime. Like this could have been a great, great era of the site. And instead it, it's just another example of just like use, useless corporate horseshit killing something that was once like fun and awesome. Yeah. And I hate to use the word edgy, but it was edgy and it was fun. And now it's nothing at all. So yeah, rest in peace, fish fork. RIP. 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 We've done so much shitting on uh, lefty horseshit that I feel like it would be fun to do the Trump. Why can't I get what I want entrance, which is hilarious. All right. This one, right? Yeah, actually, you know, we can bang these three out. Let's just do all of them. Let's do it. Right. If we hit an hour, we hit an hour. All right. All right. Um, this is uh, this is a post from our good friend, a uh, friend of the podcast, as you know, Brandon. Yes. Yes, our good friend Hillary Clinton. <laughs> um, Greta and Margot. While it can be, while it can sting, dude, my reading aloud, holy fuck. While it can sting to win the box office but not take home the gold, your millions of fans love you. You're both more than... Ken off. <laughs> Hashtag Hillary Barbie. Now, um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Hillary was was snubbed uh, 
Well, uh, what what Hillary Clinton is is pointing out here is that the Barbie movie was left out of many Oscar categories. And the reason for that, of course, uh, couldn't possibly be that it was a great year for cinema and we had so many great movies come out this year, like Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon. And it, of course, is because of institutional sexism within Hollywood. Um, so thank you for pointing this out, Hillary. Thank you so much. And um, I love the comment section on this one because Hillary has, of course, turned comments off. And the entire <laughs> comments is, why are you chiming in on this when people are dying in Palestine? Which is what she deserves to be hearing right now. Yeah. Truly hilarious. Uh, you're... I mean, this whole, the whole thing is fucking crazy. And, uh, it, you know, I'm not trying to be a fucking hater, but it is a little, it is a little funny, you know, hilarious. It's hilarious that like you as a major politician have had absolutely nothing to say of any meaning about the Israel Palestine situation yet. Uh, you have a lot to say about the Barbie movie's Oscar nomination. It's, uh, dude, Hillary Clinton's gone full femme dog. And uh, yeah. I think she's still kind of hoping it's going to get her in the office in 2028. <laughs> <laughs> so good luck, Hillary. We, we wish you all the best. Yeah, good um, luck. And now for Hillary Clinton's good friend, our, our uh, another friend of the podcast, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> so what is this? Dude, so Donald Trump has started, you know, uh, people play music at rallies before the person goes on stage. There is a a long history of artists not liking this stuff. Like, there's a lot of Republican politicians that come on stage to the song Born in the USA, um, not knowing that it's a song that is bashing yeah. the U.S.'s behavior in the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, and this is another... One where it's 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 hard to even imagine what is going through Donnie T's head on this one because the <laughs> song is literally called "Please, please, please let me get what I want," <laughs> which is just an un. <laughs> In Rapid City, South Dakota, that place is a shithole. That place. Have you been? Yeah, I went on the road there uh, last year in February. Yeah, and Galen Nash. Yeah, and we had to spend four days there because we had like two nights of shows. Oh, my God. Uh, dude, one of the worst places in America I've been. And, all, and I've been to like 35 states, and that is by, is that by far one of the worst just cities in general. That would be insane. Yeah. I mean, dude. Good, good turnout, though, for him. Pretty you good know? turnout in Rapid City, South Dakota. Our show did not look like that. You know? yeah. I mean, at some point, we're going to have to get into tales from you and Galen on the road yeah. because Galen Nash, truly one of the, the most bizarre people that's ever lived. Yeah, a bit of a devil. A great a great and and uh, bizarre man, but also just, man, uh, probably the dirtiest house I've ever set foot in in my entire life. Oh, yeah. It's a real uh, pigsty. It's hell on earth. But... Where do you even start with this? Number one, um, a little on the nose with please, please, please let me get what I want. Uh, that's a very, very, very Trump song to play at a rally. I'm trying to say, what are we just like, how fucking, how hard do you want to hit the point home on this one? Like it's the song is called, please, please, please let me get what I want. I don't know what else can be said <laughs> about this. You're literally begging for the office, which is insane. It's not normal behavior. And secondly, um, the Smiths, 
Johnny Marr and Morrissey hate Donald Trump. And yeah. uh, it's just another example of a politician taking a song and using it for their own benefit, um, which I, is great. I will say, Morrissey can eat shit. I used to work security <laughs> uh, in college. I was like my job, big security guard. Yes. And I worked a festival that Morrissey was headlining, and oh, he demanded shit. that every food vendor there only serve vegan food or he wouldn't perform. <laughs> and they didn't tell us that, so we all came, and they're like, yeah, you have meal vouchers. And then I'd eat like a fucking black bean burger. It was dog shit. It was horrible. Dude, he's one of the most like I want to hear more about this because Morrissey is one of those just characters within the indie music world that is just known for being a fucking dickhead. Yeah. Like he's this maybe the worst, most pretentious haircut of all time, too. Dude, yeah. Rough Total. rough uh yeah. Fuck that guy. Fuck him. Yeah. So in conclusion, yeah, fuck Morrissey. <laughs> um, but the last one, this is uh this is one that we've got to cover. Um I guess we'll close on this. Um, I said we weren't going to only bash libs, but this one's, this one's pretty wild. Yeah, we got, this one's about Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. All right. So I guess we should start off getting into this. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband is a venture capitalist. Um, and Nancy Pelosi is current or former speaker of the house. Uh, she's the current speaker of the house. Sure. Uh, might no. be Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, she might have just got replaced. I'll look it up. Current Speaker of House, Mike Johnson. Mike, jo- <laughs> <laughs> look at us, dude. We're t- talking <laughs> politics for the last thirty minutes, and neither one of us knows who the Speaker of the House is. I mean, he so. didn't become the Speaker of the House until the until the end of October twenty twenty three. So he's been the Speaker of the House for like three months. Yeah, dude, Speaker of the House. Speaker. Oh, yeah, it was Kevin McCarthy, and then Kevin McCarthy got ousted, right? I yes. Think, I think he got kicked out of Congress. Okay. Yeah. So um, let's go up back to the NVIDIA thing. Uh, so um, as all of you know, uh, members of Congress and the House can, uh, Congress and the Senate can buy uh, stocks, which is an insane conf- conflict of interest. It's something that should be illegal. And uh, one of the most notorious violators is Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Nancy Pelosi currently makes a salary in of $250,000, and somehow she has the money to buy $5 million worth of NVIDIA call options. So this is what's insane about this story. Uh, a call option works like this. A call option is basically a bet that a stock is going to go up a certain amount. So you have a, stock, a strike price, and you have the option to buy a bunch of shares at that price. And so effectively what you're betting is you're going, the stock is going to go up and it's going to go up to a certain amount. And if it hits that threshold, you make a fuckload of money. But if it goes down, you basically lose everything that you bet on this. Okay. So she's going in basically betting, hey, NVIDIA is going to um, go up $5 million. She's betting $5 million that NVIDIA is going to go up in price. Yeah. And so what happened was, she took $5 million of her own money. She bets it on this call option. And shortly after this, this was just a month ago, um, NVIDIA announces that they are partnering with the federal government for an AI research program. And NVIDIA stock jumps 26%. Her call options are printing fucking money. So all I ask is how the fuck is this legal? It shouldn't be. It's insider trading. This is one of the things that makes our country great, dude. We've got politicians that are literally taking 
insider this is the definition of insider trading yeah this is not just like a conflict of interest this is not just like hey maybe we shouldn't let our politicians trade stocks this is hey i found out most likely there's no way that we can prove that she knew about the government information that we're going to run a there's no way that we can prove that nancy pelosi found out ahead of time that the government was going to launch an ai research program with nvidia but yeah the evidence seems pretty fucking compelling here that she would make a bet where she could lose $5 million on this. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, I feel like she's been doing this forever, though. Like, this isn't the first time that she's in the news for it. Uh, I guess a funnier version of insider trading. Did you hear about the LSU player who got suspended for betting? No. So an LSU player, uh, he's like a former, he's on the Patriots. His, his now name's like Bhutan. Uh he got busted for making over 9,000 bets while he was in college. And he had like a six leg parlay. And the only thing he needed to win it was he bet on himself to score a touchdown <laughs> and go over 80 yards. And he had one catch for five yards that game. Oh, no. <laughs> and he's getting banned. He's facing actual criminal charges for insider trading. Like he's going to go to jail for yeah. it, but she's not, which is crazy. This is, this should be, I think. With the college kid, it is kind of funny because you can make a bet where you're like, I. it's funnier to make a bet where you say you are going to do something because that's, to an extent, out of your control. Yeah. Like 80 yards and a touchdown, you could get stopped on the goal line. Yeah. But you could go in the other direction, which is even funnier. You're just like, I bet uh, Bhutan, whatever the fuck, is not yeah. going to get five yards. He's just dropping just like, everything. Just claim to sprain your ankle in practice beforehand and not go in. <laughs> <laughs> he had one of those famous plays where the players drop the ball before they, you know, they celebrate and drop it right before they cross the end zone. Mm. He had one of those, and I was like, this motherfucker for sure had the under on his touchdowns that oh my, game. Oh, he's one of those guys that dropped it while he's closing. The yeah, line. like on the half-yard line dropped and was like, yeah, and then Alabama got the ball back, and I was like, I wonder if he had his under on touchdowns that Bro, game. that's insane. Yeah. Dude, um... Yeah, I think I've just been doing a lot of screaming about this, but let's just like break this down logically, right? Mm -hmm. A call option makes it so that if the stock stays even, you lose money. And the only way that you make money is if it goes way up. Why do you do a call option then? So basically like these are just fake numbers here, but like let's say that you put the call option, like the stock's at 100, yeah. and you put a call option that it's going to hit 125. Mm -hmm. If it hits 125, you don't get a 25% return. You get like a 500% return. Oh, so it's like legit betting. It's gambling. Oh, okay, it's that's cool. It's straight up gambling. That's so cool. The only reason you would want to get into advanced options is if you had some sort of information like, hey, I really, really think that like Apple's going to have a great quarter I'm going to put a call option up at 2%. It's a shitload of money to buy the options. And then it goes in and it happens. You like, rather than it going up 2%, you just get caked out. Like okay. You just get fucking paid. Yeah. So the option of it is a put. Um, after the Dylan Mulvaney uh, Bud Light collaboration, I put a put, put option on Bud Light and lost a fuckload of money. <laughs> the stock actually went up. <laughs> no way yeah dude i was like i'm a genius this is the best put of all time yeah and the stock had already gone down i'm like it's gonna go down further and it's uh i didn't realize they also anheuser bush owns modello so my dad ah. got burned on that fucking yeah shit. fuck that's tough yeah dude this is real bullshit this is crazy
I didn't know. I didn't really know. I've, I've heard about her doing this before, but I didn't know like to the full extent. You yeah, know? it takes the whole idea of like, let me buy a couple shares of stock. That's like egregious on its own level. But this is like, I'm going to straight up gamble on the price of the stock. So it's fun. Um, it basically inclusion in conclusion, everyone's a crook. I'm brain dead. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, on the off chance that anyone listens to the first episode of this podcast, Brandon, do you have anything to plug? Uh, yeah, just follow me on Instagram at Brandon Lejean underscore. We'll have it in the bio and all that shit. Yeah, and it will be in the bio because there's not a fucking chance you're going to be able to spell Lejean. Yeah. Um, how do you spell it again? L-E-G-E-N-D-R-E. If I'm trying to make it simple, it's legend with R-E on the end. Legendary.